kind of viewed it in a flippant way. But I want you to know we are in his house, amen. And I'm glad we're in a building where a church can gather and we can worship the Lord, we can hear from the Lord, we can serve the Lord, and we have opportunity to serve the Lord through the ministries of this church. And um, it is a holy work, isn't it? It's a holy work. It's something that the world doesn't understand. I'm going to kind of preach on that a little bit this morning. Now, as all of you know, uh, we just finished Home Improvement Month. Now, I'm still preaching on Wednesday nights on marriage expectations, what to look for to life's mate, or what every spouse should have in their life based on the book of Proverbs. But I'm going to start uh, restart my series that I started back in January on just simply the Word of God. And in particular, there are eight uh, metaphors that the Word of God um, likens itself to. Now these, look, there's no greater teacher than the Lord Jesus. When you talk about a, an object lesson, I, I went and spoke, I appreciate Aiden asking, I preached at the, uh, the chapel for uh, high school children the other day, I shouldn't call them children, young people, and I think there was about 30 of them there, and uh, I preached the word of God, and at the end of it, you know, a young man come up to me and told me, so I just want you to know, God spoke to my heart through that, and uh, I appreciate uh, the prayer for that. Anytime you're speaking to young people and trying to help them and guide them in, in the Lord's work. But when we think about the Word of God, God likens His Word to metaphors. Now, we've already preached a message on the sword. We've already preached that uh, the Word of God, God likens the Word of God like a sword. So if God's Word is like a sword, then you're going to get pierced. The sword pierces. Now, we don't always like the piercings of God. But to be truthful, I'm thankful for the piercing of the Word of God. I'm glad that God's Word convicts us. Amen? If it doesn't convict us, we'll never get saved. If it doesn't convict us, if it doesn't work in our hearts, then we'll just get here and live any way we want to. But I'm glad that God loves us too much to let us go. So He uses His Word and it pierces, it cuts. And by the way, the Word of God cuts deep. Amen? But today, uh, I want to look at another metaphor, and I want to spend, I'm just going to take my time, and I want to preach on, I want to emphasize, I want to magnify the importance of the reading, the meditating, and obviously the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, and in, in a day where everything else is being emphasized, and y'all know what I'm talking about, in this religious culture in which we live in America, it's like everything else is emphasized for a church. Well, what kind of church do you go to? Well, I tell you what, we have a church that has a bunch for the children, or we have this kind of a worship service, or we have this kind of music and all of that. By the way, all of that is preferential things. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The most important thing is whether what we're doing with the children at church, here's the most important question, what are we teaching them? As parents, I would be more concerned about what are my children being taught instead of being entertained. They can get entertainment anywhere and everywhere. And by the way, they are being entertained everywhere. But when I think about the Word of God, the Bible says it, it's as a sword. And we, we, minute, we maximize everything. Or y'all one of those churches? Uh, what kind of church are y'all? Hey, I want to say when people say, hey, what kind of church is Tiftonia Baptist Church? We're the one that believes the Bible. We want to teach the Bible. I don't want to get up here and just teach my opinions. We've all got one. We've all got opinions. You've got opinions. 
We all have preferences, but by the way, that's not what's going to change us. We need the absolute truth of God's word to speak to our hearts. So I want to emphasize. I want to emphasize the preaching of God's word. Now look, I love our music here. I love everything. Do you say, well, what could we improve? There's a lot of things we can improve here in the church. But I'm going to tell you one thing that we can always, we say, well, there needs to be improvement in all of this. Absolutely. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm glad that we are a Bible-preaching church. Amen. So I want you to notice here in this ministry, we must never minimize the teaching, the preaching, the reading, the meditating upon God's Word. And by the way, every ministry here revolves around this. Everything. So if there's anything that ever comes in conflict with the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, then that thing needs to go and it needs to line up with what's right here. You say, Pastor, you're narrow-minded. Yes, I think we ought to be about as narrow-minded as that right there. God, hey, well, you bunch of Christians, y'all narrow-minded. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, I found out there's safety right here in the narrow-minded in this book. I've learned this. I've never had to worry about what I did at night. Listen to me now. I don't have to worry about what I did when I wake up the next morning if I'm just living right here and being narrow-minded right here. Y'all with me? I don't have to have my conscience hurt me the next day and man, realize I've made some real bad mistakes and done some things that I'm ashamed of if I just stay right here in the narrow-mindedness of this book. Everybody get, understand me? And so you say, well, you're a bunch of narrow-minded, but I've learned there's more joy here. There's more happiness here. You know why? Because God knows what's best for us. So let's maximize the Word of God. Let's maximize the preaching. I've told our parents. You know me. I appreciate your children helping and working. And y'all know as well as I do, I harp on that all the time. If there's stuff that needs to be moved over there in the gym, we're going to go over and move it. I think the young people ought to lead the way. But I'm going to tell you something. Even that stuff does not overcome this hour. Of the preaching of God's word. Everything revolves around the preaching of God's word. So I want you to notice the list. God gives these eight metaphors of what the word of God is. One, we talked about it last time. It was the sword. So if we're going to be under the sound preaching, the teaching, the reading and meditating of God's word, then we're going to get pierced because it's a sword. We're going to get convicted and we're going to get broken because it's likened into a hammer. Hey, we're going to get cleansed because the Bible speaks of itself as water. We're going to get refined because it speaks of the word as fire. We're going to be refined. The dross will be burned away. Hey, we're going to be guided because God says it's a light and a lamp into our feet. Hey, we're going to, going to get see reflection. It's going to be reflected because God says it's like a mirror, His Word. And then it's going to nourish us because God says His Word is like food. And then it will multiply. Why? Because God says about His Word, it's seed. So this morning, I want to just simply preach on this subject this morning. I want to look at the Word of God as a lamp or as a light. So is there anybody here that wants to remain or to be a weak Christian. Is there anyone like that? Now look, I know no one's going to raise your hand and say, no, I don't desire to be a weak Christian. I want to be a stronger Christian. Well, I hope that that's true. So if it's true, then we're going to have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. But in order to be a strong Christian and to sustain our spiritual life, we must spend time in the Word of God. 
It must be our meat. It must be our light. It must be our seed. It must be the mirror for which we direct our life. And so I want to encourage you, no matter what goes on around here, there's nothing more important than we set under the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. Now I want you to open your precious Bible this morning to the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at chapter 119. It's a beautiful chapter of Scripture. By the way, it's an acrostic with the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. Now you'll notice each section is broke up with eight verses. Each one of those eight verses have a little title over top of them. That is one of the alphabet of the Hebrew language. This is a beautiful piece of literature. Something else to make note about Psalm 119, it deals with the whole alphabet of the Hebrew language and each one is listed here with eight different verses with each alphabet, each word, each verse of the alphabet. And you'll see that each one is broke up into eight verses in each section. I also want you to notice when you read the book, the chapter Psalm 119, you're going to find something very prevalent in all of the verses. You're going to find a verse, a word, a principle referring to God's Word. There's only about three verses in this whole chapter. By the way, a little bit of Bible trivia, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Psalm 119, if you notice, it has what? 176 verses. The reason it's long, again, because it is, it's an acrostic with the alphabet of the Hebrew language. It's a beautiful piece of literature. <laughs> no doubt about it. But what makes it beautiful is there's only about three verses in the whole verses of 170 some verses there's only three that does not mention the word of God by way of precept or instruction there's always a verse in Psalm 119 that is referring back to the word of God so of course I think all of you know if we're going to preach on the word of God as a lamp or a light some of you already got there you know where we're going to be Psalm 119 verse 105 and as a boy, I learned this verse, I memorized this verse, and I've never, ever forgotten this verse as far as in my memory. Sadly, I cannot say to you that I've always obeyed this verse. But I pray we have a heart's desire to obey the verse. Look at verse 105 of Psalm 119. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I don't know about y'all, but that's pretty powerful. We all can see that, a lamp and a light. Now, today, let me translate to our culture, to our day. Let me revise this a little bit. If you're walking out in the woods, you no longer use a lamp. You're using a flashlight. But it's very necessary today. By the way, we have a flashlight even right here on our phones. So even if us hunters, we forget our flashlight, which I lost in the woods many, many times, I still have a flashlight now. I just got to pull this thing out right here. It will help light my path. Now, I've learned some things about this flashlight. I've learned that it doesn't flash out a long ways. If I'm normally in a dark room or I'm in a path or if I'm walking through the woods, I, it's only step by step that it lights the way. I normally don't take my light and look way down the path. I usually just light the path right in front of my way. Now, we're going to look at this because I think it's so very important when we look at the light as the Word of God. It's light. It's a lamp. I want you to look at verse 130 in this chapter. 130, verse 130. Here's what the Bible says. The entrance of thy words giveth light. 
It giveth understanding unto the simple. So God's word is likened to a light. It's likened unto a lamp. Now, this metaphor vividly illustrates. Man, when I read this verse, it opens up to me because, again, I know what it means to try to walk around in the dark. I know what it means to walk around in the woods being darker than out in the field. you got to have a light. you either got to wait for the, start to, the day to start to break so you don't kill yourself. Or by the way, I've learned down here you don't walk on, on a rattlesnake. Somebody say, man, man, in West Virginia, I didn't have to ever worry about rattlesnakes. And man, y'all know the story. Years ago, uh, I go to a brand new turkey spot. Man, I'm excited about going there. And I go in there in the afternoon because you can't hunt in the afternoon in West Virginia. you got to be out of the woods by 12. Man, I walked up in these woods and I said, man, I'm going to hear some gobblers in here. And I walked around and, man, I did find some muggins. There was a big old muggin patch there. And I was getting ready to commence to pick all those mushrooms. About the time I heard something behind me and I looked, and I'm telling you all right now, my heart about dropped. I about died. I turned around and I seen its head. And when I seen its head, I said, that ain't no snake like I've seen in West Virginia. I could tell by its head, I said, that's a rattlesnake. And I followed that thing up. It was four and a half feet long. He was this big around. I don't know what happened to that thing because I found out that it's against the law to kill them. But something, that thing died of lead poison right there in them woods. I don't know what happened to that thing. I mean, he just ceased to live. And man, that thing had 13 rattles and a button on it. That thing was huge. So me and my dad, we get this big idea the next spring. I said, Dad. I found the biggest patch of muggins I've ever found down here. We love catching. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about when you're talking about muggins eating mushrooms? They're good stuff. They only come up in the spring. We used to eat them like sausage in West Virginia. You can't hardly find them down here. And man, this place had a patch. I said, Dad, let's go down there. So we started. I said, now look, before we go, rattlesnake. I've only been in there one time seeing a rattlesnake. So I told my brother-in-law, he gave us some rat shot. And we went down through there, and I'll never forget it. I said, Dad, there's a huge patch of mushroom down here, so we've got to be careful. And we were walking real careful. It was in the spring of the year. And by the time I take a step, and my dad says, Mark, he said, there's one. Well, I think he's talking about a mushroom. I turn around. I just stepped over another rattlesnake. My heart fell again. Y'all know to this day I have nightmares with rattlesnakes. And I don't know what happened to that snake, but that snake kind of acted funny too, and it, it ceased to breathe. I don't know what happened to that thing. And then I was told by one of our dear precious ladies in church, it was against the law, so well, they don't need to be keeping messing around with me then, and they won't, they won't get lead poisoning. But I say all that, and by the way, you say, Pastor, how important is you? Well, here recently, I just bought me, and I've never owned a pair in my life. I just bought me a brand new pair of snake-proof boots. Now, I say all that to say this. It's pretty important when you're walking through the woods in the spring of the year in Tennessee, you better have yourself a lamp. You better have yourself a light. And I've learned this. Before I just plop down in a tree to start working on a turkey, I check around that tree first. With a light. Why? Because we understand the vivid description that God is trying to explain to us. Just as much that that lamp or that flashlight or that lantern is important to me and my safety and my life here on earth. The word of God is like a lamp in a dark world. It vividly describes how important, how vital it is to have the word of God in our life. But we're not just to be content with reading the light. We must obtain from the light. 
by the way, years ago, we used to go catfishing. Man, my dad, we'd pump up them Coleman lanterns. I can still see Dad now working at Coleman Lantern. But I've learned something about that lantern. That lantern would never light till you lit it. And I've learned something about the Word of God. It will never enter into your heart unless you let it get there. And light has to be entered. Light has to be lit. I want you to notice some things about this. Light dispels the darkness. Let us look at the Word of God as light. So if we're going to let the Word of God, if we're going to see it as a lamp, we're going to see it as light, it will guide us. But number one, we have to have entrance of the light. There has to be entrance of this light. Look at verse 130 with me. The entrance of thy words giveth light. Here's what's amazing. Light has to be lit. Light has to be obtained Here's what's amazing. God loves us so much, He doesn't make us do anything. Do you understand? Love is not making someone do something. Oh, could God put something in our mind and say, oh yes, you're going to do this, but that's not love. What's love? I choose to love my wife. It's not really love if I say, well, i got to love my wife, because, my wife because someone's making me do it. That's not really love. Love is a choice. So God has given us a choice to allow His Word into our hearts. But when we allow God's Word, when we let the Word enter into our heart, oh, what light is entering. Can I say all spiritual light comes from His Word. This Word is so wonderful. It's, it's so high and heavenly. It shows so many mysteries. But it, should, but it opens up our path so plain that even the unlearned may find it. Can I say, we must not just be content with just reading the Word. Hearing the Word, it's got to enter our hearts. We have to apply His Word. Now here's what's painful for me to remember. We live in America. We live in the South. We live in the Bible Belt. Here's what amazes me. There is so much light around here. There's so much spiritual light around here. I mean, I have to be reminded of the light. I thank God for every gospel preaching church today. I thank God that down here in the south, we, have, we are amongst light. I mean, we, I don't think there's probably one person in this building that's never heard the name Jesus Christ. I doubt there's anybody on this building that's never heard how to be saved. And by the way, if you've walked in the building without knowing how to, if you've never heard how to be saved, I promise you, you won't walk out saying the same. But it's painful for me to remember how much light may be shining all around us on every side. But sadly, it's still not finding entrance in every heart. Here's the question. Why is this? Why do human beings want to remain blind and want to live and walk in darkness? Why? Have you ever thought about that? Man, I've been in the ministry 26 years. Why is it that I'm driving to church there's other people mowing their lawns? Now, I'm not saying they're bad people for mowing their lawns. By the way, I hope everyone keeps your yard mowed. There's a great testimony there. But I want you to know something. I've thought about that a hundred times. To me, I'm driving and going to church and they're out mowing their lawn. And I thought, man, to them it's normal for them to mow grass on Sunday. But for me, it's normal to go to church. Why do we live in such a day that there's so much spiritual light everywhere, yet still people are living and walking around in darkness? It's such wonderful light. 
to see Jesus and to trust Him as our personal Savior. Man, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I'm so glad that when I was a young boy, I, I, I was given the light and I let the light penetrate my heart and I, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Amen? Some of you know you get excited about it when the, the showers of blessings start happening. Amen? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? The preacher, when he starts spitting all over the pulpit, you know it's getting good. Amen? I felt like somebody's seen it because they laughed when they did it. And I thought, well, maybe nobody's seen it, but I already know somebody's seen it. How many of you seen it? All right, just two. All right. But I can tell by your faces you've seen it. Now my face is red hot. Amen? Why do humans want to remain blind? Why do we want to remain blind? Why do we want to walk around? And I mean, God says, let there be light. God says that the word of God is a lamp and light. And man, he'll, he'll light your path. Why would we choose to live in darkness? Now, I want to ask you, would you turn with me for a few places and let's look at this. Let's just look at a few. I think this is very important. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I, I want to read something to you here and I think we'll open up some things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now remember, we're talking about the word of God is light. I struggle breaking in a new Bible. I have a new Bible. I, I preach out of the same Bible. I've had the same. I use a Ryrie study Bible ever since I've been called to preach. I, I think this is my fourth one. It's, and I, I don't like breaking a new one, but I thought I got to start breaking it in. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want you to notice, look at what the Bible says in verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now notice this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, which is Satan, the God of this world, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Get down in here, boy. I mean, get down in. He wants to blind, so it can get here, but it won't get here. He wants to blind, so it won't get here. He don't mind you hearing it, but he wants, he wants to blind you from getting in here and changing your life. So look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Notice this. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here we see the word of God. God's given this light to penetrate into our hearts. But why does God say that there's people that live in blindness? Why? The devil blinds them. Now, how does he do this? As I was reading this passage, by the way, I've read it hundreds of times, something opened up to me that I'd never seen until just the other day. Let me share it with you. Look at verse number 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them, what's those next few words? Which believe not. That's powerful stuff. Now, why is that so important? God says the devil blinds people 
that are silly? No. God blinds people that are smart? No. God blinds people that are, that are simple in the Word of God? No, no. Here's what he said. He says he simply blinds those who are, won't believe. Now, I don't know about you, but that's so simple. Here it is. They won't believe the words of God. It's such wonderful light. To see Jesus and trust him as our personal Savior, why would anyone, why would there be anyone that would remain in darkness? The light must have interest. It must be lit. But God says that the prince of this world, the God of this world, which is Satan, blinds those that are who? Won't believe. Can I give you a couple of reasons why people stay blind and they won't believe? Can I tell you why? We find them in Scripture. Number one, y'all ready? This is so simple, it's right here in Scripture. Number one, and stay with me, Lord, I ask you'll help me now. The pride of human reasoning. Now, would you quickly go back to 1 Corinthians, and y'all stay with me now. And let's really ask the Lord to help us here. I want to try to slow down, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse, or chapter 2, and it's, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Did I say 2 Corinthians? All right, I'm getting, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's look at verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech, here it is, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words, mark it, of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now listen to me. Here's why this is how the devil blinds people's eyes when they don't believe. You say, Pastor, why would somebody not believe that Jesus Christ loves them and died on the cross for them? And if by faith, if they would humble themselves like a child and just pray and ask Jesus to save them from their sins, repent of their sins and ask Jesus to save them, why would somebody not do that? I've asked that question a thousand times. I thought, why won't so-and-so get saved? Do they not understand? Did I not present it clearly? Do they not know that Jesus Christ died for them and paid for their sin and they don't have to die and go to hell because God loved them so much that Jesus came? And it amazes me that I can present that message to people and they just say, I don't want it. I want y'all to pray. There's a there's a, a gentleman that's been coming here, and by the way, he 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 told me, he told me. I'm not I'm not saying anything I don't know. He told me, he said, I'm lost. He said, I'm not saved. He told me that. And he's coming, and I thank God that he's been coming, and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God will take his word, and that young man will let the entrance of that word into his heart. And oh, when it does, what light he'll see, amen? But for me, humanly speaking, I can't understand when someone gives you something free, who wouldn't take it? It's amazing. We hear of everything being free today. Can I say to you, salvation is free, but I didn't say it was cheap. 
Jesus Christ paid for my sin. He paid for your sin. He paid for our salvation on the cross. And when He hung between heaven and hell, that's not just something He did to make history. He did it because He loved us and sin had to be paid for. And He paid my sin. And He says, sin had to be paid for. I'll pay for it. Now you trust my payment for your sin. And as a five-year-old boy, when I heard that, I said, boy, I want it. I want it. I said, Lord, will you save me? I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven with you. And I'm going to tell you right now, but when I asked Jesus to save me, I repented of my sin. I'm going to tell you right now, the light came in. And that man that was preaching that day was weird to me. But after I got saved, he wasn't weird no more. Somebody say amen. Why? Because the Bible says when we let the light in, he gives us understanding. He helps us to understand things like we've never understood before. See, I thought my preacher was weird. I thought all them Sunday school teachers were weird. Somebody say amen. I thought they were weird, but you know, I thought they were wrong. Guess what I found out? I don't like admitting this. I was the one weird. I was the one wrong. I was the one that didn't understand. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? See, when we let the light of the gospel come in, man, just everything opens up. But why does people want to stay in darkness? Why wouldn't they just say, yes, Lord, I'll trust your way for salvation? The devil blinds them. How do they blind? How does he blind them? He keeps them from not believing you. So, Pastor, how does he keep people from believing the simple gospel of Jesus Christ? Honestly, he prevents, us, he prevents us from humbling ourselves just to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. Why won't we do that? I'll tell you why. Because we got our own way of thinking. We got man's wisdom here. We got to deal with this thing called man wisdom. See, I don't want to teach you in the wisdom of men because I want to tell you something right now. I'm fed up with the wisdom of men. I'm thankful that we got some wise people. Man, I'm glad of technology, but I'm sick and tired of us hanging around on everybody's wisdom of men. We need to start listening to the wisdom of God. We're, we're so saturated with the wisdom of men. Well, that's the best we got is a fat man around. Oh, he's got a DDT. Well, I'm glad he's got a DDT, but I have a Savior in heaven. And by the way, I got something more than a DDT. I got more than a doctorate in man's wisdom. We have all of the counsel of God. Why would we remain in darkness? I'm going to tell you why. Man's wisdom. Here's the reasoning. Y'all ready? Here's man's wisdom. Oh, Pastor Mark, it can't be that simple. You're telling me that I can get saved and I can trust Jesus as my Savior no matter what I've done in my past, how horrible I've been, that there's a God in heaven that will actually forgive me? Look at me. Yes, It's that simple. Yes, I believe that. You know why? Because we live with people that don't want to forgive. We live around in a culture where people will bring up our sin a thousand times. But here's what's beautiful. God don't. He says he'll cast our sin as far as the east is from west. But see, our man's wisdom. Here's, oh, there, that can't be true. God don't love us that much. I don't know of anybody that ever would never forgive me. Oh, no one's ever forgiven me. God has. See, that's man's reasoning. Oh, it can't be that simple. Really? You're telling me that God came to this earth and died on the cross for me? I don't believe that bunch of stuff. Well, that's man's wisdom. Let me tell you what God says. He sure did. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came for you. He came for me. Hey, here's another reasoning now. Here it is. The, the, he, he died for the whole world. You, you can't tell me that God died for the whole world. There's nobody going to die for the whole world. That's impossible. You can't have eternal life. Are you crazy? I've heard people say to me, Pastor Mark, are you one of those people who believe that once you're saved, you're always saved? I don't believe that bunch of junk. Look at me. I, I don't believe that either. I believe what God says. When we get saved, he gives us eternal life. That's better than once saved, always saved. God says, I give unto you everlasting life. I asked those teenagers at the chapel the other day at, at the school. I said, how long does eternal life last? They said, forever. That's pretty simple, isn't it? So we got people running around, oh, I'll tell you right now, you can't believe that preacher. If he tells you that you can get saved and, and you can't ever lose your salvation, that guy's not telling No, that's man's wisdom. Listen to me. When we get saved, we become a child of God. Now look, I got two children. My oldest son's named Clay. My daughter's name is Kaylee. And my Kaylee's done went and got out of the will of God and got her last name changed. Amen. She done went and married an old boy down in, in down, of all places outside of Atlanta, Georgia. One of them Georgia boys. And if y'all think I preach long, y'all ain't never heard of Georgian. Georgian. Hey, and listen, uh, good boy, though, y'all know I'm just joking. We love Brother Josh. But she done went and changed her name. It ain't no longer Brandon. And by the way, she ain't no longer living in the promised land. She done moved down to Moab. She ain't living up in the house of bread anymore up here in Chattanooga. Somebody say amen. Hey, and, uh, but I do thank God for this. She's still living for the Lord. She's got a Christian life. She's married to a preacher. And, I, and I'm just saying, but let me just say this. If Kaylee went out and changed her name, which she did, and she went out and said, you know what? I don't like my mom and dad anymore. And I'm telling you right now, I'm sick of the way they live. And I'm not going to live with, like them anymore. And I'm just going to go a step further. She said, I'm going to start telling everybody that Laura and Mark Brandon's not my mom and dad. Y'all know what the real truth is? Doesn't matter what she says, we're still her mom and dad. No matter how she lives, no matter what she does, no matter how far she goes, it doesn't change the fact she's still my daughter. See, here's what's amazing. When you get saved, your relationship never changes. Now, here's why some people get, they get confused about this thing. Say, do I need to get saved again or something? I, I, I've not lived right. No, what you've done is you, you've gotten saved. You're still a child of God. You might not be a very obedient one, but here's what happens. Your fellowship changes. See, there's a difference between a relationship that never changes, but your fellowship. Now, let's just use Kaylee as an, uh, as an example again. Let's say Kaylee, she's still my daughter. She's went out and told everybody that she's not. But here's the thing. If she does that, if she lives that way, she's still my daughter, but she's hurt our feelings. And here's the difference. As her mom and dad, because of the way she's living, it's broken our hearts, and maybe there has to be some reconciliation there for our fellowship to get better. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's the same in the spiritual life. Somebody said, well, I'll tell you right now, I got saved, but I ain't lived for him. Well, you just need to get your fellowship right. How does that happen? The Word of God does it. He convicts our hearts and tells us, hey, look, I love you. You're not living right. And you know what? I'm thankful the Lord is so loving, yet he's stern. He gets our attention, and he knows how to get it. 
And we ought to listen. But why? Because he's got to bust through that pride of reasoning. Boy, all of us are. We got our own thoughts. I tell you, I, that preacher's crazy. No, look, I am crazy. But what I'm telling you is truth. And not because I say it's true, it's right here. So this light is so powerful. But our own human reasoning keeps us from letting the heart receive it. Can I say something else I've heard all my ministry? What? I can get saved. And y'all give that invitation under that church, and here's what I've heard. I'm too embarrassed to come down that aisle and go get saved. Listen to me. I'm going to tell y'all something right now. There ain't no reason to be embarrassed. I wouldn't let a little bit of embarrassment keeping me from doing what God wants me to do. Now, y'all know why I say that? I know y'all have heard this before. I've seen parents get excited, and they've gotten so excited they've not cared who's been around them. They don't even know what embarrassment means. Years ago, man, we went to a t-ball game. And y'all know the story. I don't know this lady, but I can still see her face. I don't know the little boy, but I certainly know his name. We were up there watching a t-ball game, and man, there's a little boy that come and mounted the home plate, and he got that bat up on, and boy, the t-ball was getting ready. And by the time he hit that ball, and I'm telling you right, that ball went to about shortstop, between shortstop and third base, and I didn't have to figure out who his mother was, and I didn't have to figure out what his name was, because that woman jumped up out of them bleachers, and she started hollering, and she's like, Run, Bubba! So I found out two things. There's Mama, and his name's Bubba. And I got to thinking about this. That woman, she's crazy. I said, that woman's crazy. I mean, I mean, she does she know what it means to be buried? But here's what's amazing. You know what? When it comes to something you love, something you know you love, and something you need, you don't get embarrassed about it. Why in the world would anybody get embarrassed if God extends salvation to them and you think you'd be in a church service or think that anybody here would make think you're crazy because you get saved? Listen to me, you're crazy if you don't get saved. We're here for you. We're going to cheer you on. We're going to be excited. There'll probably be some tears if somebody got saved. So don't you let the devil blind you and say, oh, I'm too embarrassed to do anything. I wouldn't let that keep me from letting the light get in. See, that's man's wisdom. Oh, I could never do that, Pastor. Oh, I, I, I could never. What is, that's man's wisdom. Oh, but Pastor, you don't understand. I don't understand anything. Do you know how I live? Don't care how you live. Oh, I can't go to church and get faithful in church. Because I'll tell you right now, you know how I don't need to know how you live. I know how I live. But I know this when you get in the Word, your life will change. <laughs> this is good stuff. Don't let the pride of human reasoning get let it in there. See, right now, some of you are fighting. Right now, boy, some of you right now, you're fighting in your heart. No, I don't know. I, boy, I, I believe what he's saying, but I don't know. I just don't know if I'm going to let go. Listen to me. Let go. Let it in, boy. Let it hit you. Let it have you. Don't let the pride of human reason. Quick, i got to hurry. What's another reason? We won't let the light come in. We won't stay blind. Y'all ready? It's simple now. The love of sin. I'm going to tell you all something. Y'all probably will never hear a preacher. You probably never heard, thought you'd hear a preacher. I'm going to tell y'all right now. There is some sin, there's fun in it for a while. 
That's Bible. Bible says there's pleasures of sin for a season. It runs out. There's a payday for it. I'm not going to tell you that. I ain't going to lie to you today. Sin's fun at times. There's no doubt about it. And you know what? The, men, the Bible says men love it. You know why I know that? In John chapter 3, real quick, if you want to turn there and if you want to just write it down, John chapter 3, it's still one of the greatest salvation verses in all the Bible, but there's something else the Bible says there in John chapter 3 that's amazing. Verse 19 of 3, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You know what he's simply saying? You know why some people just want it to light in? We're having too much fun doing wrong. You mean preacher? Man, if I get in there and start letting that Bible get in my heart, it's going to start changing the way I live, man. I, I, I got to do some more things before I get and let the Lord. I've heard that so many times, but listen to me. Here's what's amazing. When you let that light, let, when you let that light come in, I'm going to tell you what had happened. He'll change your desires. He'll change them. I looked. I'm going to get down practical and we'll close. Never, ever, ever dreamed nor had a desire to be a preacher. Ever. Never. As I said, I thought preachers were weird. I thought they didn't even know how to live. Man, I, I'd watch Mr. Pilkin, man. I thought he prayed all the time. You know, he, was, he never knew what fun was. He never laughed. I'd go to his home every once in a while. And I would have to say, now, he was a unique gentleman, man. He, he, had a, he had a recliner. And that recliner was his. He was like king of the, king of the house. And you knew better than to get in that recliner. And he, he had done, he was a carpenter. And he'd get in that recliner and he had all these handmade stuff that he made that everything was accessible. That was back when TV guides were important. And he'd have that TV guide in here and he'd have his, everything would be right here. We'd have to move. And man, he'd, he'd pop him feet up. And I mean, when you went in there, you did not touch Mr. Pilkington's thing. And I mean, every time I walked in there, he was either in that recliner, he was reading his Bible, or he's watching TV. And he had the most uh, infectious laugh. And uh, I, I, But man, when I got around Mr. Pilkington, man, I thought I was around God. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I said, man, that man's weird. I said, that guy's weird. And then I'd go downstairs and I'd look at all of his library and stuff. He'd have all this stuff wrote down. And I'd go down there every once in a while and I'd read all them sermons. Like, man, who thinks like this? I said, I just wonder if he ever goes out and just has a hamburger. I just wonder if he ever just goes out and, and goes fishing, goes wading in the new river. I've never seen him fish. And then, man, I'd be at a, at a football game or I'd be at some type of a big community thing and next thing you know, so we're going to ask Mr. Harry Pilkin to come and address the congregation. And, give, and I was like, man, that's my preacher. He's praying for the Lord. I said, like, man, he's weird. But you know what? I had a respect for him. But I didn't understand him. But all of a sudden, I started letting that light in. And a little bit more I got in that light, I realized he ain't so strange after all. I've been the one strange. Something else, I thought, man, I can't live like him because if I live like him, I won't be able to have any fun. That is where the devil blinds people. Some people have this idea. Well, if you're going to live like a Christian, you're going to have, hey, y'all ready? I'm having more fun in the will of God right now than I ever had out in, the, in sin in life. Promise you. 
Y'all know why? Because I can go to bed at night and I don't have to worry about what I did during the day. I don't have to worry about when I wake up the next day. Oh, my soul, what do I got to clear up? I'm thankful I don't have to wake up on Monday morning wondering, man, is the cops going to catch me? I'm telling you right now. And by the way, we got two of them in here. They wouldn't have to go far. But y'all know, let's just be simple. Y'all know, here's why some people won't let the light in. Man, I, I can't. I got to sow some more wild oats. No, you don't. Let the light in. Pastor Mark, if I get saved, I'll have to change some things. Let me help you with that. God will help you change things. God will give you desire to change things. But sadly, I've been preaching for over 26 years. Sadly, I'm going to keep preaching. Sadly, there's going to be people that's still going to refuse to let the light in. But thank God, I'm going to tell you all right now too. I thank God I'm going to keep preaching. And as Brother Stenbridge said, there's still going to be people that's going to let the light in. People still going to get saved. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I'm going to tell you all something right now. We don't need to be walking in the dark. And tonight, if you'll come back, we talked about the entrance of the word of God. It must, we must give it entrance. Tonight, we're going to talk about how it guides us, how it guards us, how it gladdens us. Brother Scotty, I thought of you when I thought of this message. Because me and Brother Scotty went fishing one night out in the Nickajack. Done got dark on us. And we're driving back, and Scotty said, Mark, get up on the front. Pastor, get up on the front. Get up on that light. Well, why? I didn't have to ask why. I knew why. He said, get up on that light. I, I didn't have to ask why, but can I tell you all why? He said, because we want to make sure we get back to the boat ramp safe. Your light's going to guard us because I know the river pretty well, but there could be something underneath or could hit something. Both of us, me and you, both go swimming tonight. And so we had to have a light. Man, I'm up here in the front of that light. I'm looking at everything, boy, because he didn't slow down none. And I'm doing this right here, boy. Why? Because that light's what? Gardeness and guidance. And by the way, there's a lot of stuff that's trying to harm us in this world. You better have you some light. Amen? That's a little preview for tonight. Now look, where are you going to come to church here about rattlesnakes and lights in front of boats? Y'all ain't going to hear that anywhere else. How many of you glad you get to hear it here? Praise the Lord, the rest of you. Praying for you. Now listen, have you led entrance into your heart of this light? Serious stuff. Y'all know what the most important part of a message is? It's the application. It's the invitation time. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day you will be asking, what will he do with me?